Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killing Bird. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Here, as always, I am Killing Bird with my co-host, Ron Fez Buddy. How you doing, man? I am good. KB, how you, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, and uh, it seems like a good time to wish all of our members and all of our listeners a very happy new year. A- absolutely. And uh, for everyone who is uh, heading to PCA or there already, um, we're recording on the Friday before they kick off the main event, the day before. So um, by the time you hear this, it might be progressed, or who knows when you're going to download this, it might be over. But um, at this point, everyone is in first place, right? So we're wishing everyone That's right. everyone good luck, all TPE members and uh, and pros. Um, hope you guys uh, ship something down there. Yeah, those guys are very fortunate because it's freezing cold here, so I would love to be heading to the Bahamas. But, uh, you know, somebody's got to stay home and keep the ship running. So. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, I'm uh... – I am definitely going next year. I don't care if I'm if I win a seat or not. Like the only reason I didn't go this year is because um it's my son's fourth birthday and when I looked at the calendar, I looked at the schedule, really didn't know like, you know, should I really be going somewhere? Should we really be going somewhere on my kid's birthday? And then uh you know, I was looking I was talking to my wife about it and we were both like why didn't we try to win a – why didn't I try to go there and get a free vacation for his birthday? You know, it's like yeah. it kind of seems stupid to be sitting at home um, when we could have tried to get there. And plus, you know, we could have done TPE work down there. So next year I think I really want to try to get down there. Yeah, we'll make it happen next year for sure. Jealous of all the tweets and the blog posts and the uh, the postings and the forum and stuff for people who are down there already. So, so. Uh, Especially when you see pictures of, like, guys walking around in shorts going down water slides and stuff. It's just like – I wish that was me instead of being in my basement with my hoodie on, freezing cold. <laughs> yeah, and it's snowing now, right? So it's just even more. Uh, yeah, the blizzard is rolling in as we speak, so what can you do? Well, so what, what, what's going on with you? How are the tournaments going for you? Uh, poker's actually been good. I actually just uh, recently wrote up a blog post um, talking about how things have, have kicked off here in the new year. Um, haven't shipped anything, but I've had some nice deep runs and final tables. Had a final table in the Turbo Fitty for like 2500 and uh, I think a third place finish, I believe it was, in the Stars 18K for like another 2200 something like that. Um, and lots of like 500 and $700 scores. So yeah, things are off to a good start, and uh, I'm hoping I can sort of bottle whatever it is I'm doing and continue it for the entire year, because as we know, these <laughs> these runs usually end at some point. So I'm uh, just hoping I can stretch it as long as I can. So yeah. how about for you? Yeah, I I was I had the same run you're having in November and December was really cold and and uh, literally and figuratively. And <laughs> now I'm I, man, I am like getting tenth place and I got eighth place in in a ten rebuy. It's like I keep getting right there, fourteenth place, nineteenth place, you know. And yep. reading a thread on two plus two about variants, um, and it was by Bond, uh, Bond eighteen, who back when like 2006 he wrote up a, a, a series now I, I you know he he he's a video producer at another site but I, you know so I, I don't care i think he wrote some great posts early um you know in this whole thing where yeah. he talked about the what i learned series did you ever read those on two plus yeah yeah it was great yeah you know he really 
boiled down a lot of the things that you need to understand to be successful in tournament poker into a couple of easy to read posts. And I used to read those all the time. And, and so I have a lot of respect for him. And he wrote a post, um, just recently on two plus two, uh, on, um, on variants, his thoughts on variants and closing out tournaments and, you know, just what, what the state of poker is. And there's actually a lot of debate on whether or not it's just like, like, like the obviously, or there's anything new there. Um, but I think for like the people who are like saying that we knew all this, they're just, you know, the advanced players anyway. And for a right. lot of people would benefit from going to read, um, read that post on his thoughts on variants. Uh, and I think it has, I think it's very, even though we tackle it a different way, a lot of the stuff that I wrote in the article on stop whining and start winning is also kind of relevant there. And just, if you're good, you're going to, you know, being good doesn't mean you're going to win the tournament every time and being good doesn't mean that when you're one, when you're in like second place out of 30 people left, you have an ex, you know the, the the highest chance of winning the tournament. It's just it, it, someone wrote down in the thread, and I thought this is the best way to to, to, to that I, I've seen it position. I don't remember who it was, so forgive me for not giving credit. But someone wrote down, if you're good, you just have more lottery tickets at the end, right? You just <laughs> you're good. That being good means. I mean, yeah, there are some people who may have a high degree of skill in heads up or shorthanded play, and that helps you as well. But you know, just keep getting there, right? And then those lottery tickets, one, you know, one of them will cash themselves. And that's what I'm doing. Yeah. That's kind of what I feel like I've been doing and definitely seeing some improvement in my game. And um, it's actually interesting. I, I shot um, another, if you remember the Stick It to the Man series that we did on late stages. Yep. I shot, a, uh, basically, I got to late position. I got, I got deep in two tournaments, the same exact two tournaments that I got in for that first one. And I, I turn the recorder back on, and I want to see if my game's gotten any better. So we're going to make, turn that into a video series. Um, ah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so that's going on here. Just kind of running deep a lot, and you know, hopefully we'll break through on one of them um, soon. So. Yeah. Well, I, it, it all comes back, I think, to volume. You know, that's what one thing I'm learning is you just got to keep putting in the tournaments, and yeah. when you're, you know, when you're feeling like it's not, when you're not running good, the best thing you can do is fire up more tournaments <laughs> because eventually, you know, you'll. You'll start winning those eighty twenties and and the flips when you need to. So, so yeah, I've been I've been putting in you know probably more volume in the first couple of weeks here of of January than I put in all of December. So hopefully I can keep that going. Yeah, but you know what? Make sure you don't violate bankroll rules, right? Because oh, absolutely true. Yeah, for sure. Roll because I agree that more volume will help, but a lot of times people start playing a little bit bigger. Um, or if they've increased their volume, you know, you're also increasing your variance a little bit. I mean, your, 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 your potential losses are greater. If you brick right. 10, as opposed to bricking 30, you know, when you brick 30, you really feel it in your bankroll. So make sure that if that happens, you're mentally not unstable. Right. Well, I think one big thing that I've been doing is mixing in more small stuff because it is obviously lower variance and your skill level is going to be bigger. Um, and some of the, you know, some of those little wins add up, you know, you, you, win a $4 tournament or something, that's 10, yeah. you know, 10 buy-ins to the 26s or something like that. So if you can, you know, if you can think a few of those, and I think it's also good for your confidence just to get a win under your belt sometimes, um, no matter what buy-in level or how many people were in the tournament, if you can just get that win under your belt, it's going to help your motivation. So yeah, I, I, the, the, the 2750 turbo on poker stars at 1145 Eastern is my like day saver. Like, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been, I, it's uncanny how, like I haven't, I mean, I have, I actually won it a couple, two months ago, but just recently, um, getting, I got 10th, I got 18th or something like that. I got 27th and, and those little caches, you know, they've been kind of making the day 
less damaging <laughs> when I right. when I when I don't win, you know, the fifty fifty or whatever. Um, so I know what you mean, and even the ten dollar, like I, I cashed in a couple ten dollar turbos and stuff like that, and those, you know, really deep runs, you know, like offset, you know, some of the the, the worst runs that you have. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, cool. Well, let's talk about what we got coming up on the show today. Sure. Um, we are talking about three betting and four betting um, preflop early early stages. Uh, it's one of the things that I think you know we're still we're still talking about. We're, we're trying to go in a chronological order here in terms of you know the tournament progression. And so far in all our podcasts, we've stuck to early stage, and we're going to move to mid stage and late stage and final table. And if we have an interesting topic like we did with the live, we'll move into a different direction for, you know, a show or two or whatever. But we're trying to, you know, make this something that you can listen to. If you discover us in middle 2011, it makes sense for you to go back and start from the beginning because, you know, you'll get you'll get that that sort of built up through the, 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 the tournament. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've explored a couple of ideas in early stages. We talked about bed sizing, you know, some other topics, position. And now I want to talk a little bit about three betting uh, and face, facing three bets early. Um, I think it's an interesting dynamic because it's it's very, you know, deep stages is very ca- uh, deep. Deep stack is very cash like. But there is the concept of tournament life, even even when you're deep stacked. Um, and while most, you know, your EV your cash EV is related to your chip EV mostly early on, you know, putting a large portion of your stack when you can't refill um, is something you have to think about a little bit when you're facing some interesting spots. So I thought, right. we'd, you know, a couple of pros on and talk about how to play in, in bloated pots uh, early stages. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, the three bets become such a tool in, in so many tournament players tool belt that a, you better be doing it and B, you better know how to play against it when you get hit with it because uh, you can lose a lot of chips real fast if, you, uh, if you're playing it poorly. So I think it'll be a good topic. If you blow the pot and you're out of position, right, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, the pot, your, 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 your pot to stack ratio is, is way skewed and, you know, then you're finding yourself in a really weird spot where your continuation bet is going to be a big part of your stack. So, you know, just understanding three betting. And, and a lot of tournament players, to them, three betting is – Restealing, right? <laughs> three yeah. stealing, you know, it's 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 what you learn, you know, and you don't really think about it as much um, because you're you know you're 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 a tournament player and you're you're thinking about the the twenty to thirty big blind stacks or the, the ten to fifteen or whatever. But early early stages is important. So let's get some hands and talk to some of the pros and figure out what what we should be doing here. Cool, sounds good. Well, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back, bring our pros in, and talk a little bit about three betting here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Hey, MT Tears, this is Casey Big Dog Pocket Five Jarzebek from TournamentPokerEdge.com. If you've been looking for a trading site dedicated exclusively to tournament poker, then look no further. Tournament Poker Edge is only $23.95 per month with no initial sign-up fee and we post a new training video every weekday. you also find poker-related articles, blogs, and very active strategy forums. We even offer you the ability to upload your own video for others to discuss. So head on over to TournamentPokerEdge.com and find out why it's quickly becoming the destination for tournament poker players looking to take their game to the next level. TournamentPokerEdge.com
Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to talk a little strategy here, so let's bring in our pros, Charles Hagbard Celine and Tim Titwis Kelly. What's up, guys? Hello. Good day. How, How are you guys, guys doing, doing this afternoon? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys doing? We are good. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year's to you guys. How was your New Year's? Uh, New Year's was good, quiet, snowy on the East Coast of the U.S. here, so I uh, spent most of my week digging out. Uh, I don't know how – I'm guessing in Canada, did you have similar problems or did you guys uh, bypass that issue? You know, it, it was crazy, nonstop. Uh, we had a ton of snow. Like, we probably had half a foot consistently sitting on the ground. And But two days after uh, Christmas, it went up to 55 degrees. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it, it I mean, yeah, we get the same weather as you being in the Niagara uh, yep. area. You guys are in the New York area, but wow. And then here I am again, you know, down uh, – in the uh, 15 to 20 degree range. Yeah, we got the same thing going on. Well, did you hire someone to shovel you out with your um, your recent winnings at the World Series uh, Poker Circuit event? For, for the listeners who don't know, uh, T-Twist took – was it second or third, T-Twist? I forget. That was third. Third in the one of the World Series of Poker Circuit event uh, prelims. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you guys have any sound effects? You guys need, like <laughs> – an applause sound effect. Yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> we'll put that in post production. Yeah, I can erase that. Yeah, no, that 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 was a pretty incredible run. Thanks, obviously, for the the nice uh, comment. But yeah, obviously, uh, would have loved to ship the ring, but uh, I'm that much closer now and that much more hungrier, and probably make it happen uh, in a few weeks here in Tunica. Cool. So my plan is nice. to. Make it to the next bigger stop. There's a little minor stop here, I think, that uh, they're at right now, but I'm going to make it to Tunica and try to uh, ship the ring. The other cool thing is the way they've structured the circuit this year, they have a top 100 free roll. And with a third place, if I would if I would uh, match my performance or better it, I would uh, put myself into position to be in that top 100 to make the free roll, which is cool because if, if people aren't, uh, familiar with the way it's happening is there it's restructured it where there's a top 100 um the 36 guys who final table the four um big main events the televised main events automatically get a seat um and then there's the guy who wins the regional main events he'll get a seat but then there's a bunch of seats that are available and for the first time away from las vegas uh the main stop they're giving a bracelet away that actually counts towards the bracelet total so it's a million dollar free roll for the top 100 point guys so that's kind of my my new uh, set, my way of thinking right now is to try to uh, put another deep run together and then go from there. If I if I manage to do that, move forward and, and uh, try to hammer out all the stops for the next, I think there's six or seven stops left, and try to make that free roll in May. Good luck. Um, I, I know they're doing another one in Atlantic City uh, in March that I'm going to go to the, uh, the main event, I'm pretty sure, um, and some other TPE pros might be joining as well so for anyone who's interested and you're going to be there let us know uh we, we usually do some sort of tp get together so uh so tim if if you if you do well in tunica i'm sure i'll see you at that <laughs> oh absolutely 100 cool. percent. i think maybe i think maybe even if i don't do well in tunica i may just go extend that even one more stop yeah, because that makes sense. there's so much value in a million dollar free roll where they're only paying the final table, but I think it's probably going to be in the neighborhood of a quarter million dollar first place prize, and then yeah. ultimately the coveted bracelet. Yeah, that's worth so, giving a shot. Plus, that's what we all play for. Yep, <laughs> and you're plus <laughs> you're plus EV in the events anyway, so you might as well you know might as well. Yeah, I, I mean things have been really going well for me in that in that uh, 
aspect. So, I mean, I, I like circuit. Um, they, they're, they're not over the top difficult tournaments, in my opinion. They are, they have, they bring a little bit of a softer edge. So I, I try to take advantage of that. A lot of the WPT prelims are, can be a little bit tougher. Um, so if I, I mean, if I had to make a decision based on like location, if I had the opportunity to go to either event at the same time, I would probably pick the circuit just because of the, the, how soft the fields are. Cool. Well, we, um, last podcast, just for those listening who haven't heard previous podcasts, last podcast, we talked extensively on the differences between live and online poker with, um, with, uh, two other TPE pros, uh, Ween and Cougars 4444. Uh, so if you're interested in, in finding out more and hearing more about uh, how the pros approach live play, you can go back and, and listen to one of our archive shows. But, uh, but today, uh, Derek, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about three betting. And facing three bets, particularly early in tournaments when, uh, when stacks are still, you know, fairly deep relative to the blinds. Um, and so, you know, we're going to look at, look at a few hands and just kind of see how we could have or should have proceeded, you know, like I said, facing a three bet or, or when we make a three bet and get flatted or something like that. So it yeah. should be a pretty interesting conversation. Yeah. And, and this is, I think, particularly interesting for us as tournament players because, um, we, you know, we don't play a lot deep, right? I mean, we play the early stages deep, but most of our our focus is on the shorter stacks because that's you know that's what happens when we get later in the tournaments, and and we 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 generally get better at playing shallow stacks. But when we're you know a hundred big blinds deep and we're facing you know a three bet with jacks or something, and we're out of position, um, I think this might be an area of weakness for a lot of tournament players. So I, we you know we thought it'd be a good um, a good time, topic of conversation and and probably a place where a lot of leaks exist for a lot of av- average to 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 even you know above average tournament players so um so I guess we'll start Charlie um just any thoughts on you know how you approach the early stages of a tournament and in particular when you are either in or out of position you know facing three bets what are what are you looking to do? Are you looking to, to, to play bigger pots? Are you looking to play smaller pots? Uh, I know it's a broad question, but if you could just give us a little insight into how you, how you face those situations. Um, I get, well, in general, I'm playing pretty tight in the early stages of a tournament. That being said, when I'm in position, I will play big pots against players that I think I have an edge over. Yeah, I mean, so, sense. um, I will definitely, if I think, you know, if I have, like a weak player raising in front of me, um, I might I might uh, decide to three bet him a little light and start building a pot in position against him. Um, but you know, certain things have to, like I'm not going to do that if I don't think that, for example, he's capable of flatting a lot of worse hands um, and like check folding a lot of flops or playing passively post flop. Right. So you know, I have to take that into consideration, but. You know, I try to I try to strike a balance between playing tight and not spewing off early and not creating too nitty of an image. I wanna I wanna try to create an image that will help me to get paid um, when I do pick up a big hand. So I yep. try to balance those two things. That makes sense. Um, and and I think one thing that you mentioned about is playing against someone you think you have an edge on, but you also mentioned position. And, and we've covered position in a, a previous podcast, but um, just how important is position here? Um, and and we, you know, we don't have a specific example, and we'll get to those in just just a little while. But uh, what's your thoughts on you know bigger pots and position? Just for those who, who may not have, it's it's, it's huge. I, I mean, I'll play play unless I'm getting really really good odds to to call a three bet out of position. I'm gonna play really really 
tight against them, especially um, pre-antes uh, when stacks are deeper. Uh, I really don't want to be playing a big pot out of position. Just, I mean, you're just at a you're just at a huge disadvantage. Yeah, that makes sense. Tim, do you have a similar perspective, or do you play different? Well, you know, lately, and I've been trying to make some change because it's always about you know the, the the learning curve for people and trying to stay ahead of it. And because I also I get into a lot of situations like in these podcasts and forums and discussions with people about how to play early poker, you seem to get the same feeling from everyone. Oh, you know, ABC, you know, real tight. You know, only get into big pots with big hands. You know, position is key. I think with the way my game is evolving, and one of the things I find that I'm learning and improving in is is how to fold a hand and knowing when to get involved and when to get away and, you know, maximize your wins, minimize your losses. We've heard all that. But early on in the, in the last little while, I haven't, I haven't really um, thought about trying to be so nitty and tight. I've tried to take some more, a little more chances and get a little more riskier just because everyone else is playing this ABC tight game that I'm just giving off the image that I must be, you know, card racking or on a rush to start a tournament. And there's nothing worse for me, is especially when you get into these tournaments online, like these lower stakes that are 1,500 chips, and you open a pot and you see bet and you got to get away from a hand and all of a sudden you're down to 13, four, uh, 12 or 1,300 chips. You know, I like to I like to get in situations now where I'm trying to show some strength early and trying to show that I have some cards to back up my play. Mm, interesting. Because everyone else right now is playing that type form that you, you can kind of portray this image that you're – this is what they're seeing. This is what they're reading. Wow, this guy's opening early position. It's got to be some kind of a hand. This is only level two. And it just builds this. And then I, what I find, it builds this uh, this image for you that people are starting to, they'll just start spewing off chips because, one, they want to beat you, or, two, they want to see what you have. And, and the other thing is, too, is as I think a lot of people forget, how cheap is it to play this style of poker early? Yep. You can't, you can't bring this style to level 14. <laughs> because a, a 60 big blind stack is on the verge of being 50 big blinds because of the, the increase. And you just don't have the, the chips to make three bets and stuff like this on the lighter side. But when you can take shots, when you have chips, you know, you start tournaments with what, 300 big? I just think where my game is improving is the ability to get off of hand. So I'm, I'm taking a little more shots early and a little riskier to get that 7, 8K, 9 stack by level 7 or 8 when the antis hit, and then I can really start applying mass pressure. You know, here's one thing I'll say about your comments is I think you have to be advanced. You have to be at least intermediate and moving towards advanced to play that kind of style. Would you, would you agree? I mean, you said I would, I would agree with you a hundred percent. And I think it's just over time that where, you know, where you should be getting in and you, you have better ability to put people on hands and it, you know that if, if you're playing this style or one, two, three, four, five level and you're being played back at, I think their range just polar is so polarized. Right. Because they're obviously not in your, um, you, you feel that they're not in your league, not in your caliber. You're a better player than them. People are sitting back and not playing as many hands early. So when you start doing it, you feel that resistance. 99.9% of the time, it's that resistance is true. Yeah, you better you better be able to fold a hand. And I think that's, that's, right. the, that's the very first thing you said, right? You're getting right. better at folding, so you better be it, able to fold a hand. It's funny. Game. I had a friend over here the other day, and we were I was talking poker with him, and I, I flat out said, I think my game requires that my opponents know where that fold button is. Yeah. If I get at a table where people just don't, like they have the lower left, a sticky note over low left, 
like they don't know where the fold button is, that I'm not going to do well. I'm not going to get chips in that tournament. So my, it does require my point. It does. I do require my opponents to understand how to get off a hand. Yeah, but you better and, know, you better know how to play post flop because it, you, exactly. I mean, you're going to get into it. You're going to get into a lot of situations. But yeah. so it's strictly the ability to know when to to mock allows you to open up your range early, in my opinion. Anything else to add on uh, just general thoughts? Well, the, the one thing I, would, I did want to mention was the three bending as well that you guys had mentioned with Hag. Uh, just the basic fundamentals of the three bet, like especially when there's no antes, um, you're going to want to be really more aware of early position raisers when you three bet them. It's a lot easier to raise a late position raise, a three better late position raiser than it is a early position raiser. Um, and then obviously just position being key. And just for me, just I, I'm a, I'm very lucky in the poker world. I'm obviously good friends with Casey, Big Dog Pocket Fives, and been coached from him for a long time. So I mean, this guy's three and four betting is you know some of the best in the world. So my exposure to this, yeah, is lend you know allows me to. Uh, you know, even understand it myself and maybe be able to get it to the uh, the average player. You know, here's here's the, we don't have a hand that covers this specific one, but I I think this is actually something I, I th- that that I'm a, a little bit lost on what I should be doing. So, um, like let's say you get ace queen in late position, and you know it's like it's like you know we're at ten twenty and we have three k starting stack, so we're we're really deep stacked, and we get the ace queen and and. You know, guy from like middle position opens. You're on the button. Uh, he's got maybe from before. You see, he has some aggro stats. So you know, you know, maybe you have a hundred hands in him, and he's like a, you know, a twenty-two fifteen or twenty-two sixteen. So you know that you know he could be um, opening a wider range than a tight player. Um, are we three betting for value at this point, or are we just gonna flat like hands like that? Like I, I always try to figure out: should I be playing bigger pots this early? when I know my range is ahead of his, or should I just flat and play in position a smaller pot? What do you guys generally do in those kind of situations? Go ahead, Hag, if you want. Um, I would probably flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I mean, if it's, um, if it's, if it's against an opponent who I think is going to be capable of like calling with, calling with three bet with suited connectors, or worse aces and stuff like that, then yeah, I would, I would, I, I could see three betting, but, um, otherwise I'm just going to flat it. It just, I'm going to be flat. I'm gonna, probably going to be flatting a, a lot of hands there. So having a hand like ace queen suited, um, in that range of flatting is, is good. Um, also, you know, just flatting suited aces <clears throat> is really good. I mean, you, if, like with suited ace queen, you're really not worried too much about getting another callers because playing a multi-way pot with a suited ace is is not a bad thing. So right. there's that as well. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I'm always just sorry. Go ahead, Tim. Well, I just think for me, uh, I'm like in the last couple of months, I've reviewed some hand history with uh, with Casey, and there's been a couple spots where I have been flatting. It's funny that we're having this exact conversation because I was flatting in some spots with ace queen when I had position on people, and in our deep discussion, I think him and I have come to the conclusion that if you have position, I think your flat range on pairs is like tens, but you should three bet jacks from your button. Mm. And your flat range with on the button with is ace jack, and your three bet range starts with ace queen. So it's right on the margin. Yeah, it's right there. Right so there. Th- this is and this is coming from from 
from Casey himself. And, and obviously, Casey is a type of player that always will err on the side of aggression. Right. And I've adopted that into my game as well because I do like playing the super aggressive style. And uh, so this is not even, this is a few months ago, and I've adopted that into my game in the last three months where it's almost like ABC three betting, in my opinion. Like, it's, if I got jacks and I'm faced with an open, I'm three betting in if I have position on the raises. Because it's just like, I just, and I'm almost covering the screen and not even seeing the flop because it's like auto float because I want to see what that guy's doing on the turn. And if he does show weakness, it's just, here comes some chips, bud. Right, so you, so if he bets, you're going to float. If he checks, you're going to see bet. That's right. Well if, if, if he see bets, I'm floating just to see what he does on the turn without well, not even looking at the flop almost just because if he does check that turn, uh, there's a real good chance I'm firing that turn. Or I may even just I may even just check the turn, and if he, if he checks twice, even if I don't have – if I have complete air, there's chips coming out. Because it hmm. just screams. I mean, his line just screams, I completely missed. Because right. who, who has position on a three better has a hand on the rib and and misses their value spot. Right. So it just becomes completely evident what they have to me. So I find I, that that's my range basically, and that that basically basically goes for before antes and even after antes. So. Well, what about what about an early position raiser? Forget about the middle position, you know, aggressive guy. What if you got a guy who has average? Average stats, and he's under the gun, and you got the jacks there. Okay, well, what's, flat. what's the dynamic? Is there antis or is there no antis? No, no, we're all, we're all, you know, we're at like 10, 20, or 15, okay. or something. You know, we're really early. Yeah, uh, you can de- definitely, super early like that, it, flatting's not bad. Right. It's just, I think the style of player that I am, it's I'm not willing to back down, and I'm okay with big pots at any time, but I also know when to small ball and when it's proper to just keep pots small. Um, but, like, I just, with no antis early in a tournament, I do have a mass respect for early position raisers. Right. I just really believe that, you know, it could be any pair. It, it's just, it just screams to me that there is some value in that, in that guy's full card. So. Cool. Yeah. Okay, well, we got some different perspectives here, so it should be fun to go through some hands. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, we'll actually take a break, and then when we come back, we'll go over, uh, you know, a few hands to sort of highlight some of these points and um, and see what the pros think on those. So uh, we'll be right back with the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. This is Killingbird from TournamentPokerEdge.com, here to tell you about our exclusive rakeback program. Tournament Poker Edge offers up to 40% rakeback on sites such as Full Tilt Poker, Absolute Poker, Ultimate Bet, and Cake Poker. If you're playing online and not getting rakeback, you are just giving money away. So visit rakeback.tournamentpokeredge.com and sign up for the Tournament Poker Edge rakeback program and start getting paid to play today. Welcome back to the Tournament Bridge Podcast. Back with our pros of the week. 
T-Twist and Hagbard's Lean, and it's time to go over a few hands. So, Diego, you want to take this first one? Yep, cool. So, okay, guys. So, um, so first of all, to everyone who's listening, um, we post these hands uh, along with the podcast. So if you've downloaded this from our website, uh, you should see a link to these hands. Um, if you've downloaded it from iTunes, you can just go to tournamentpokeredge.com slash podcasts and go to the, the, the podcast with this date. And there will be links, uh, a link to all the hands that we're discussing here today. Uh, we recognize it's hard sometimes to follow podcasts where they're talking about hands and, you know, you make it to the river and it's hard to figure out, remember what people had pre-flop or et cetera. So we post those hands for you. Um, okay. So hand number one is actually something that was posted on our forum by one of our members. They're at, we're at 3060 in the PokerStars $30 tournament. Our hero has... 3,700 chips, so he's got about 62 big blinds, and he is in the big blind. Um, so here we are pre-flop. He's got queens in the big blind with that with that 62 big blind stack. Under the gun plus two has 4.5K. Once again, we're at 3060. So he's got 4.5K, and he raises to 120, which is just 2X. The button, three bets. So here we, you know, here we go, talking about three betting from the button, and uh, three betting a relatively early position razor and trying to figure out ranges. Um, the three, the, the button three bets to 360. Um, it gets to our hero who's in the big blind, um, and he's got queens. So first off, let's stop there. Uh, we have a, a, a 2x open at 3060, a three bet. Um, he says the button, the three better, is playing 10-10 with a 4% three bet. So Pretty tight. You know, it's only – it's 48 hands. Uh, the original raiser, the guy who made it 120, is 39.17 over 48 hands. So we have a little bit of a dynamic there where this guy's probably opening a ton. Um, the three better probably has a decent hand. And um, that's what I call. 360. Okay, so we got – Charlie, you're flatting. What about you, Tim? Oh, definitely flatting in this spot. Yeah. You don't um, play big out of position here, right? Oh, well, yeah, you're out of position super early. Um, I think the three better – I mean, he's – Pretty much, it's pretty easy to put him on some kind of hand at this point. Other aces, kings, ace, king. Yeah, he's got a good hand, and by three betting, we are probably going to get him to fold tens and jacks and nines if he decided to three bet nines. Right. Um, and we're going to end up getting it in with kings, aces, and ace king, which right. <laughs> is not, which is not a very good spot. It's, I mean, flatting is definitely. I mean, it's it's not great. Our hand. I mean, the, the nice thing is that we have it towards the top of our range to be cold calling this three bet. Right. Um, but our hand does look a lot like what it is. We always have like a, a strong but not strong enough hand to get it in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I we- also I also don't want to give the original razor um, an opportunity to scoop up a lot more of my chips. Like the guy goes to three sixty on a three bet. I I think if you if you're crazy enough to four bet that, you're you're in the range of over one k, and then now you're now one two one Chris who opened opened the pot now has such a massive steal opportunity to push all his chips in because you're gonna have to fold queens. Right. So I think just flatting there um, allows you to see what the boys are gonna do because because Chris still obviously has that opportunity with the three bet. But now it's only going to cost you three sixty as opposed to one k. Right. If, if 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 that original razor makes it like nine sixty or something, then we're going to think he's got he's really strong. He he opened under you know 
yeah. like on plus two. He's got a three bet and a call of the three bet, and then right. he's 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 four betting. We're gonna fold our queens here, and it's only gonna cost us three sixty. Is and 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 still he and the original raiser realizes that moving forward he's playing this pot out of position. Right. Right, 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 right. right. That, that even that even adds fuel to the fire, you know. Right. Although the guy's at thirty nine seventeen, so we don't know if he really understands that he's playing a ton of hands. And here's what you guys are gonna you're gonna may find interesting when you when you throw the HUD stats out. Yeah. And you guys know this about me. I'm old school. <laughs> I don't rely and use any kind of devices that give me information. Right. Because I am, and this is the reason. I don't want to bring a HUD into my my life at this point because I am so in between live and online. And when right, you make right. that transition to live, you have no resources. And it kind of leaves you, in my opinion, a bit naked in spots when if you're using mathematical uh, analysis and statistics to make your plays, this is, an, this is something that has to be sitting in your mind when you play live. You know, I, 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 I disagree a little bit because I, I watch the tables much closer when I'm playing live. And so in my mind, the 3917 has, fits a profile that – Live, by watching what guys do, I kind of make the same profile. <coughs> I'm not going to say, oh, that guy's a 3917 because I've been watching him live open a few times. But, right. you know, I get a read that he's, you know, maybe flatting too, you know, playing a ton of hands, flatting maybe way too often and actually opening a ton. You know, like, like I, I, I see what you're saying. I definitely see what you're saying. But I, I, I think when I play live, I can um, – I just watch more. And, and, and the HUD, actually, the, the negative about the HUD is that it actually lets me not watch <laughs> online too much. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think right. I, I, I get distracted or I play too many tables because I have a HUD open. Um, and you're like, I don't, I don't need to pay particular attention in this spot because I can refer to my HUD. Yeah, yeah. I just come back and I see it's a 3917 and I make an assumption. Whereas, so it's, I mean, the HUD, we, we kind of deviated a little bit, but the HUD does have its pluses and minuses. Yeah. Yes. But, um, yeah, I just, to get back to the hand, I think you just don't want to leave yourself in a spot where you've raised and have to pull. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and actually, on the forum, um, it's pretty much the consensus as well. And that's what our hero here does. He does just call. And the original Razor calls as well. Uh, so we go to a flop. So just to review, we were at 3060. Our hero has 62 big blinds to start the hand. He is covered by both of these guys. Not by a ton, but he is covered. And he he goes, we go to the flop. Now the flop is a 1,110 chips. Okay, so it's already nearly a third of our, our stack. Um, and we are first to act. And the flop is 669. And our hero is first to act with the queens. So now we're faced with a situation where if we bet and get raised, it's really gross. If we check, um, and, you know, depending on the raise size, we might be committed to getting it in here. So just off, first off, guys, you, you as the first to act, what do you think in here? Check with the intention of calling. 100% agree. Cool. You're never going to dock lead yourself out of the pot. Right. Yeah, I mean – I don't, it makes no sense to like flat call preflop for the reasons that we discussed and then donk bet the flop. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're going to donk bet the flop, just get the money in preflop. Um, Good call. So I'm just going to check and call and continue to let him have tens and jacks. And unfortunately, we now lose to nines, um, maybe eights, let him see that ace king, uh, et cetera. So when we do that, we're basically saying we're going to go to the river calling are we going to call three bets i mean we're putting i don't know i I don't know i mean it depends i I could see i could see 
maybe check folding the turn, depending on what card hits, depending on the size of the bet he makes. I mean, if he if he puts in like a potish size bet on the turn, um, I could maybe fold. But yeah, I mean, in general, I'm going to try to get shut down. Right, and if 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 I'm definitely check with checking with the attention to call, if the original mini razor gets out of the way, and the original three better double barrels, well then I, I I'm I'm thinking I'd be I think there's kings there or aces. What do you think? Yeah, I, mean, I tend to I tend to agree with you. I mean, I would imagine that he's definitely checking ace king, and I think that he's not always going to be betting tens and jacks. Um, on the turn once we call the flop, once we, once we call, call the three bet pre flop, check call that flop. I would expect him to pot control the tens and jacks. So yeah, I, I would really, if he puts in a, a decent sized bet on the turn, I'm going to lean, I'm going to be really inclined to fold, I think. Actually, that's really interesting that the way you analyze that, Charlie. So let, let's look at that. So we're giving him a range of like, uh, Ace King, we're giving him a range. Uh, he's, you know, pre-flop. We think he has tens and jacks and nines. He could be doing that with all those. Plus Ace King and maybe Ace Queen, you know, is kind of what we think his range is pre-flop based on the three bet, right? Yeah. Okay. So if we we just assume that range um, for now, um, you know, he's going to be betting. Um, you know, he's going to be betting uh, kings and aces. Um, he's going to be betting jacks and queens. Uh, and, and tens, but queens are minimized because we have queens. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably. Uh, I mean, he's going to bet everything, right? He's going to bet everything, right? So, so okay, so we, we're going to check call because he bets everything. So, okay, right. cool. And you know what? That's exactly what our hero does. So, so then let's 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 go to the turn. So, can um, I just make one comment uh, yeah, before we yeah. lose? Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, anytime you are going, like, it's just referring to the donkey. Anytime you are going to fire and fold, if a guy. Shows more aggression after the flop. That that's that's turning your hand into a bluff. I just right. want to make people understand that. I mean, you see that a lot on on the river because it's value and showdown value, and sometimes people fire and then fold. So you essentially turn what what has showdown value into a bluff, right? That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. The, the donk lead essentially does that at the start of the hand because you only really hear about hear about turning your hand into a bluff on the river, but. If you donk lead, because everyone loves that flop six six nine rainbow with queens. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the flop you're looking for. Right. And so you, if you fire there, you're you're turning your queens into a bluff that ultimately could have some hardcore showdown value. Right. I like the queen queen ace flop. Yeah, yeah. I'm big on that too. I mean, that that that, that really settles me into into a, a zone. No, that that makes that makes a ton of sense, and and it's an important. Um... You know, think for our concept for our listeners to understand is the value, you know, the sh- showdown value itself. Um, we don't want to turn a hand with showdown value such as queens here into um, a bluff, and we will get raised by hands that are worse than us potentially here. Maybe not. Maybe you know, maybe tens of jacks just calls if we raise here, but they they might raise, and we'd have to fold queens, and we're we're letting a hand that that could get us to showdown and win a pot. Go away from us, and that's just so negative EV. So we want to just play right. this. I mean, yeah. where's where's the value in in checking or right. betting six hundred? Guy shoves, you fold, you lose six hundred. Right. Or you check and he fires six hundred, you call. Or you bet six hundred and he folds jacks. Well, yeah, that's what you. I mean, or if he, yeah, if he checks. I mean, you right. just don't want to lead there. I just yeah. it's horrible. 
Okay, yeah, and, and I think that, once again, the consensus on the board was the same. I just wanted to explore the hands that we think he has and, and why that was valuable. And, and, and based on the, the, the range we gave him, we expect him to lead here all the time, and we still don't think we're necessarily behind if he does bet. So we want to check call here. And, um, and that's actually exactly what our hero does here. Um, I don't know. He only posted the first half of this hand, and then he typed up the second half. So he says he check-called the flop. Um, it doesn't tell us if the the, the guy who was the um, original opener, um, not the three-better calls or not, but he doesn't mention him much the rest of the way. So I'm guessing that um, he calls, and one-to-one Chris, who's the guy who opened originally, probably just folds because he's not mentioned the rest of the way. So um, – so the three better bets 540 into a 1,110 pot, so approximately half um, into that. So now we go to uh, a turn. Um, we have a 2,200 chip pot, um, and at this point we're going to have about 3K, um, and the pot is about 2,200. Okay, so, so, um, so the turn is a nine. What are we doing now? Yeah. Now I now I think you definitely have to check fold because the the first guy definitely has some nines in his range, right? Um, possibly has some sixes in his range too, and the original raiser, if he bets into both of us, or I mean the three better, if he bets into both of us, I would imagine has queens beat. Um, I mean he would have to be getting really stubborn with tens and jacks. Well, we're, so we're first to act, right? Yeah. So so you're you're checking here and, yeah, uh, and okay tim what about you me too it goes back to my earlier statement like when i got a little bit ahead i check if you double barrels i think his range is polarized and you were beat yeah I, okay. flat out. I think it just screams aces or kings um i i i mean if he's yeah, got I, mean, jets, I, agree with you. I don't even think it's polarized i think it's just flat out. Us, you know <laughs> that's right i don't even know if he has any bluffs if he's got jacks in that spot Honestly, well played, sir. You outplayed me, but it's screaming, it's screaming better than Queen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's the real question. I don't think he's ever bluffing. It's a matter of is he value betting worse, and I'm really not sure he is. So the, yeah. the amount of times you go to the house with this guy at this point, and he turns over jacks, is so minimal to the times he flips over cowboys or bullets. So yeah. I mean, he's probably got jacks in that spot one of ten times. Has Kings or aces, nine out of ten. Nine point five out of ten. <laughs> cool. So. Cool. Well, I think um, I think our I, I agree, and our 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 hero here um plays it just like you guys uh, recommend. Um, he checks. Um, remember the 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 board is nine nine six six. He has queens. Um, we have a big pot brewing here. Um, he checks his queens first to act, and the act the other two actually check as well. Um, so we're going to a river now. With a 2,900 pot, Hero has 2,700, and the river is a king, which a card we definitely hate, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just baffled that uh, it was check, check. Yeah, yeah, it was. And now that king is horrible. Yeah. yeah that what do you think, Charles? Uh, I would check again and hope that they check it down. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's probably how I play it as well. We now lose. We now lose to the only hand, really like the only hand that we were beating. Well, no, that's not true. He's never betting worse. I don't think. Yeah, they're point. gonna they're gonna just 
they're no, gonna you, check you, you might there might only be one hand you're beating there, Charlie. I think you're right because eights. I don't think they're he, he double barrels. Well, they check, but I don't think there's eights there. Nines we're we're, we're losing to. Yeah. Uh, tens maybe I guess maybe you're right. Tens are jack, but but he's not betting those. Like, no, he's not we, betting. We lose right. any hand that he bets on the servers. So. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I agree, and and so so the hero does check. Um, the original raiser, the under the gun guy, bets twelve fifty. Yeah, because he has a nine or something. <laughs> the button, <laughs> the button calls, and okay, so so let's 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 hear it. What do you guys think these guys have? What was I, what was the turn again? Excuse me. Yeah, sure. So okay, so 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 we get to the turn with eleven fifty. Um, what was the what was the card? Oh, sorry. We get. I'll tell you. We get to the turn with twenty nine hundred in the pot, and the. The turn is a nine, so we're now we're looking at a nine nine six six board. Nine of what? Uh, he doesn't tell us. Uh, okay, so us. I guess it's been. I guess it's a, my read on our poster is uh, the flush don't hit. <laughs> yeah, I guess that. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so so the, the river's a king. Um, he checks that under the gun bets twelve fifty into the twenty nine hundred. The button actually calls, so our our guy is like, I'm I'm out of here, which I don't blame him as well. Um, and under the gun has jack nine. <laughs> wow. And what do you think the button has? Ace. Ace King. Ace King. King. Yep, got there. So right in the range that exactly you guys were talking about. So wow. good analysis. Okay. Yeah. yeah there's, I there's maybe an example of what I was talking about like last segment. The blinds are 30-60, and I don't know much about the player who opened, but, I mean, he's opening Jack-9, uh, level 3. Right. Right. Uh, early position. Cool. All right. Well, good, good analysis. And, and so that's exactly what we wanted to talk about here today is, you know, we, we face that three bet. We're not going to blindly just four bet queens here. Um, you got to think about the ranges of the people involved, um, your position post-flop, the strength you of your hand, you know, just all the, the situation and not your, you don't want to play your hand. You don't just, don't just look down at queens and think, oh, I got to get the chips in. Exactly. If, if the situation, this is, you know there are there aren't going to be too many situations probably where getting queens in prefob is bad. Um, you know, in general, you can take queens to the felt, but this happens to be one of those situations where you want to play it a little more carefully. Exactly. You know, you're definitely thinking more like a cash game here because you're deep like a cash. Yeah, sure. Cool. Okay. That, great, great, great hand. Um, Derek, you want to want to walk us to the next one? Yeah, let's move on to the next hand. Uh, this is actually also from our forums. Another one of our members posted this, and this is actually a good hand to talk about situation a little bit because he, he gives us a little bit of background on the hand. So to start off, I'll, I'll just kind of give you some of that background. He says that the villain had been at the table three or four orbits and had three bets six times already. So keep that in mind when uh, when we run down the details of this hand. So this is actually from a mini F-Tops event. We're at 60-120, and basically everybody at the table is – is pretty deep. Villain has over 200 big blinds. We have 100 and almost 110 big blinds. So super deep, obviously, like a lot of these mini F tops events are. Again, we're at 6120, and we are on the button with the Ace King of Spades. Did he mention at all? He says that this guy has three bets six times already in three or four orbits. Did he just get moved to the table three or four orbits ago, or did he see how this guy got 25,000 chips? Um, he doesn't say. He just says the villain's been at the table three or four orbits, so I'm oh, assuming okay. that means he moved there three or four orbits ago, uh, but I'm not totally sure. It could have been, you know, it could have been our hero moving to his table, or, 
He's not super specific. Right. Okay, so again, we have uh, we have the Ace King of Spades on the button, uh, folds all the way around to us, and we make it uh, 2.99. Uh, so you know, I think a pretty standard raise at this point. And then our uh, our villain, our maniac, makes it 9.60. Three bets at the 9.60. So the guy who posted this in the forum, his first question was, what size do you make the four? He, he, he said he had already planned to four bet. The guy is three betting. Should he? Should he though? Should he? Should he be four betting or should he be playing ace king in position? Here? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good question. If I had seen this guy, um, it's a little difficult because I'm looking at the results right now. So it's stop, a little stop doing it's, that. It's slightly <laughs> difficult to. Well, you posted him. <laughs> good point. It's a little difficult to stay objective at this point. But if I had seen this guy get to showdown in any of these three bet pots. It would make a difference, but the fact that he's been that active with three betting, I think I'm going to four bet. If it's if it's somebody, if I get three bet by somebody who um, who I think is on the tighter side, I think I'm just going to flat and allow him uh, just be, in order to keep like ace queen and king queen and ace jack and stuff like that in his range. I don't want to four bet and get him to fold those hands. I'd rather flat play ace-king suited in position, be able to get value on ace-high and king-high flops, um, and just play play a smaller pot in general. But if I think the guy's a maniac, then I'm just going to try to get the chips in, I think. And, and for me, I uh, I have a genie lamp here, and I rub it and hope to use my, <laughs> hope to use my second wishes that E5 bet shoves. I am never folding to a guy with that kind of reputation. Right. Uh, if you have that read on him and that reputation, I am never folding. So when I when I when I four bet him there, hi Genie. Uh, <laughs> uh, my second of three wishes will be this guy five bet spewing, and <laughs> yeah. and I snap call. Right. Because so we're 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 gonna what are we with three betting here? We're three betting. We're four betting. Um, because we think that this maniac is gonna stack off lighter as opposed to try to get value and play in position. Um, and, you know, we just think that this guy could do something crazy. Yeah, I mean, like, the, my whole – as soon as I, I click my four bet, I'm literally begging for him to, to five bet shot. Yeah. I mean, if if a guy with that kind of a reputation comes to the table and the poker gods cool me off there, so be it. I mean, the guy's playing ace-queen like this to the house all day. Yep. And you know how many times you flip – the guy flips over like something silly, like eights. And I know you're racing, but I mean, this guy's got to go down. And he's not going to shove aces or kings because he's crafty, right? I mean, he's like th- these guys don't shove the big hands, like assuming that he's not a great player or whatever, and and you know just completely soul reads you that you have ace king. He's gonna he's gonna he's actually gonna pl- probably slow play aces or kings as well, opposed to shove them on you. Maybe. I mean, it's I don't know. I don't know how confident. No. Okay. Confidently, we can make that. Here's my here's my take Certainly on the sometimes. My take on the situation is, if I'm the other guy, I'm not I'm not uh, the TP member, but I'm the other guy. I say to myself, if I have aces or kings in that spot, I mean it is from the button, so there is a range of hands that he is three betting with and folding. But in the most part, I say to myself when I get three bet, when I have a monster, what is my opponent three betting me with here that they're folding? And I think. You know, you got to take that into consideration. When what are they uh, me here with that they're folding? So 
I hate when we get into situations where at the, the hand has showdown at the end, and man, I could have got it all if I just got it all in pre. Right. Could have got it all. How many times have you said that to your life in your life? Right. right. So I think when you're three bet, you really got to stop and think to yourself, what am I being three bet with that they're actually folding to a four bet, and am I going to miss an opportunity to stack a guy? Right. So. I mean, shark, shark in the water here. He he may be thinking that. What what's he? And then this is my approach with aces or kings. Right, right, right. That's that's the that's the other thing that I would be a little bit concerned with. with is asking myself that exact question with a guy who's three betting so often. Mm-hmm. He's likely folding a lot to your four bet. So that's where I mean, flatting is definitely a viable option here because it keeps all worse aces. If he decided to like three bet ace rag or like king 10 or king jack which players if there's three betting six times in three orbits is quite possibly has hands like that in his range right and i wouldn't necessarily expect him to five bet those hands i would i would actually expect him to fold them so yeah, i just i think for me when i have a hand like ace king that's unmade i i try to get i'm not a, like it's when i have the made hands like aces or kings i'm willing to flat but for me, I just think when I have ace king, I, I just I'm not I'm in that spot, button to big blind or wherever it was, small blind. I'm not afraid to go to the house there. Oh yeah, yeah. Neither am I. I'm just saying it's definitely an option. I mean, right, it definitely it is an option. That, it has that advantage of keeping worse hands in his range that he might fold to the four bet. Um, like for example, I would I would probably four bet pretty wide here. I would be opening the button with the intention of four betting fairly wide. Um, so what, what's the bottom? So of your I, I'm four betting wide under the assumption that he has a wide three betting range, much of which he's going to fold. What so, is the bottom of your uh, four bet range here, Charlie? The bottom of it? I mean, I'm going to four bet, I'm going to four bet some suited connectors, some like suited wheel aces. Uh, I might four bet some smaller pairs, although I'll probably just flat those. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to four, I'd be willing to four bet fold, you know, a decent amount of hands. Okay. Yeah. Does the fact that we're on the button change the way you play this hand significantly or in this case, because the guy is, you know, quote unquote, a maniac. We have the ultimate position. So I'm really not scared about putting chips in the pot. Um, That's why I'm willing to four bet so wide is because we have the button. Right. We're forcing him to either five bet us, which is, you know, it's kind of a dangerous thing to do. You're, you're, to five bet bluff is pretty bold. Um, or he has to flat a four bet out of position and play a monster pot out of position. So. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've wrote about this in articles and mentioned it in the forums and stuff like that. I like to call the cutoff, uh, the hijack cutoff and the button and the blinds, the fun zone. This guy just kind of called that because there's so much activity within that yeah. fun zone. <laughs> really interesting. That, I mean, I just like, hey, you're in the fun zone again. Here we go. So anytime you hear me refer to the fun zone, that's what I'm I'm talking about. So here we are, ace king on the button in the fun zone, and we have a guy spewing off. And uh, it's time to win a big pot. I need to remember that. <laughs> We're in the fun zone. We're in the fun zone. So Why, why so, did you do that? Hey, I was in the fun zone. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my excuse for everything from now on. Yeah. One of my really good friends, we were – we were playing. Um, we were playing poker uh, online over at a. We were all playing uh, at Halifax's house. Um, 
this is flows and somebody said something about something being negative EV and he said, but it's plus fun. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'll never forget that. Yeah, Got to remember when stuff is plus fun. That's right. Yeah, like you're only giving up a few points on the negative EV side. I think it's pretty much <laughs> because of the funness of it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so villain again, you know, makes it through a uh, 960. If we're going one thing, to I would, one thing I would do is I would I would floor bat a little smaller. Okay, that was one of his questions was what you know about the sizing. Because I'm going, well, this is just because of my general plan going into the hand. Like when I open the button with any hand that I'm opening the button here with, um, I'm I, I'm going to go into it having a good idea how I'm going to react to a three bet, um, whether or not I'm going to flat it, four bet it, or fold it, um, and. Considering that I'm I'm going to be going into this willing to four bet rather wide, I'm going to want to go. I'm going to size it a little smaller so that I give myself a better price on my bluffs. So I would probably, and it's really difficult to play against those really small four bets um, because, like I was saying earlier, nobody really five bets light. Um, you know, it's really it's a, it's it's kind of a difficult bold thing to do. It, it requires. Um, it requires that you know that somebody's willing to four bet you light and is going to fold. So, so three betting really, or I mean four betting really small rather is um is is a really difficult thing to play against, and something that most players don't play very well against. So, I would probably go to like, I mean it's not a huge difference, but um maybe like twenty three hundred or something like that. Tim, how about you? Well, with, when I look at the situation, like just standard structure ABC three betting rules, um, AP all day makes it the opens fine, the open size is fine, the three bet. Is I mean he is playing the pot out of position, right? So if the general rule of thumb is if you're going to three bet, you want to three times. So you're looking at 900, and he adds just a little more in because he's out of position. But I also think there's a tell that there's a little bit of a giveaway in the stack side. If he has aces or kings in the big blind or whatever position he is in, he's probably going to three bet that through probably around 875. Yeah, he's going to stray away from the ABC three betting rule. I yeah. And he could, because he's begging for the spew from the button. So this kind of puts him in a range of ace-jack, ace-queen, in my opinion. And that that's kind of – so now that we're at 960, if our original button raiser is begging for the spew, I think Hag is correct, and it's, it is, it's a bit big. But it works. We know this because we see what happened. But I think – when we when we when we're trying to put together opponents' range of hands, and we're you know and and we want to narrow it as we move along, I just think the bet sizing there is a bit off. I think. Do you agree with me, Hag? That you're probably if you have aces or kings there, you're not making it nine sixty. Um. Or are you are you dumbing it down just a little bit to try to not scare I them think away? In general, in general, I agree with you. Um, I think considering how deep we are. Um, I could see him going to this size with aces or kings. I would definitely agree with you if we were like 50, 50 big blinds deep or like 40 okay. or something like that. Yes. And I would do that too. Um, especially if I don't think my opponent is capable of picking up on those, those nuances of best sizing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go a little bit smaller to try to induce with like the top of my range. Um, but here with the fact that we're so deep, I could see him maybe just going, a little bit bigger in general. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. 
I agree with you. I think I, I just yeah I think aces are kings. He's just like God. I don't my bet's got to be right here. I don't want him to fold. I'd be worried. Like if it was like eight twenty five, that was alarm bells to me. Like I'd be like, wow, okay, this guy's betting small, three betting and out of position. Exactly, that's exactly where I'm coming from, Diego. Yeah. So when he when I do see that little little bit of chunk above three x, it's just kind of it's one of those hands that he's like, God, I have to three bet. Yeah. It's like the laws of the land says, I, uh, ace, jack of clubs in the big blind from a button raise. I have to raise, I have to free that there. And I don't want him to call because I don't want yeah. to be in position, so I'm going to make it a little bigger. Right. I, if, yeah, I think there's a little bit of a, a, a tell there, yeah. So when, I mean, if someone has, like we all know the standard rules, and if we just go over it real quick, free betting someone when you have position on them, you can, it's three times they're, they're with, and you can dumb it down a little bit. And then playing three betting out of position is what this guy has done here. It's a, it's three times whatever your opponent's opened at and a little bit more. But I find anytime people are rolling over aces or kings and when they three bet me, it, their three bet has always been dumbed down to like you're saying, Diego, 850, 825, please, 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 uh, four bet shove. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you're not going to see the, the, the great players do that. The great players are going to try to keep it so that you don't tell from their bet size. That's right. But but for a standard, average, ordinary, regular player, I think that's a pretty decent rule of thumb. And and so reading into that, folks, listeners out there, this is, this is what you look for. Cool. So it, so yeah, so our hero makes it you know twenty five eighty nine, which isn't significantly over what uh, what you guys are suggesting. You know maybe a little on the big side, but not that's really not terrible. And then uh, and then our trusty villain jams all twenty five k in, and again we're at. Sixty-one twenty here, so we're putting in a few big blinds. I mean, are we ever folding now? No, never. Okay. Never. Well, I think the villain here is that when he jumps, jams all in, is just applying like a simple ten times rule. The bet that he's faced with is two five eight nine, and he's holding twenty five four seventy three. Okay, so it applies this minor ten times rule on like ten times the twenty five eighty nine is twenty five thousand. So you can't five bet there and not put them all in. Right, right. What about just more like fundamental structured bet sizing? And and here's the other thing. It it, it goes to my point. What what are they three betting with and folding? Well, what's what's this guy four betting with and folding? So. Right, right. Well, so, I think I think we can certainly take aces now. You know, if we hadn't already taken aces and kings out of his range, we really can now because why would he ever do this with aces and kings? I think. I mean, yeah, you know, I would. Had aces or kings, I would flap the four bet and check the flop yeah. and allow the uh, buddy on the button to spew. Yeah, everyone right. does that. I mean, unless you're once again, you have some read, you're leveling, you're you know exactly what your opponent's going to do. Everyone's probably doing that. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think I clicked. So, yeah. So, so hero does call, and you know the results aren't super important, but but villain had queen jack offsuit and got there. Um, <laughs> so. Welcome to poker, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to mini F tops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for you win in that hand forty percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, no offense to AP all day, but I'm not sure if this is a uh, want to know if I played this right post or bad beat post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably a bit of both. Although it's I think, like, I think it is an interesting spot because it is so many chips. You know. Yeah, and I, I mean, <laughs> Which do you know which mini F tops it was? The, it was the two day. Yeah, the two day main event. Two-day, I mean that's a really well structured well, I didn't know it was the two day. Yeah, and it's also it's also a tournament that attracts I, 
I could definitely see flatting the, the three bet. Um, yep. And I, I think that's yeah, why I don't think it's poorly played or anything, but considering half hour levels, um, I could, I could see, um, I think flatting is definitely an option. I'm pretty sure that's why he posted it, and I think that's the question that when I saw this hand, I thought, you know, first thing I thought as well. And I think what we're hearing here is that, you know, really you could do either. Um, you know, he had a good read on what this guy might do. He got right. the guy to put all the chips in. So, you know, either would be fine. I, we think he – I know I think he actually played it great. He was able to get this guy to put it in with Queen Jack. Exactly. He read his opponent perfectly, so, he you know, he played it great. But if you decide to flat here, that's – that. There's very little difference between the two options with what you ha- what you're holding. And if, and if you look at the way the board ran out, I mean, how is he getting away from the turn? Yeah, yeah that's. Oh yeah, sense. no, he's never getting away from the I turn. I mean, two <laughs> overs, not flush draw, not straight Broadway draw. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good luck. Yeah, 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 and that's a lot of times the pants people post is when the options are actually very relatively even. You're, you know, then your mind flips over back and forth between the two options, and it's why you post it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. So let's move on to uh, the next hand, and this is actually a hand that you played, Diego, so uh, I'll let you take this one. Cool. Um, So I'm putting on my helmet once again because I'm getting ready to get 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 my feet down. Yeah, <laughs> audience, what what the sacrifice I take for you? <laughs> and That's I what just, we're here for. I just want to point out that once again we get through another week without Derek posting any hands. <laughs> no, don't don't you remember I had one last week? Oh, uh, you had one, so Derek has had one hand reviewed in our, in our <laughs> podcast. Um, he and just conveniently forgets to get a hand every time, and it's like, well, and, he knows I do it, so. <laughs> I had one from the live versus online podcast, and, and as I mentioned yeah. earlier, everybody agreed that I played it perfectly. Yeah, so Derek picked a hand that he reviewed with people beforehand <laughs> to make sure. So so I, I picked a hand that I, I, I plucked out without anyone looking at. Um, Diego, you're right. You got a good point there. I'm going to have to start – I'm going to have to start taking a little easy on you. And... Yeah. <laughs> what, no, gives, uh, what gives, Derek? Come yeah, on. Derek. We want to see the secrets. We want to see your secrets. You have my word that that I'll have a hand in the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think Diego's tired of getting beatings, and he just takes a hand and he flops a boat. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "What are they gonna? Do? How can they get me here?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> segue into the actual hand, so uh, like great segue into it. Okay, so hey, so. Uh, like a poker poker player, I pick my spots well. <laughs> 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 okay, so I do pick a hand where I, fl- I flop the world, uh, and the reason that I brought this hand up is because um, it is a three-bet pot uh, pre-flop, um, but I think uh, how to play post-flop and extract maximum value is um, is the point here uh, and what we want to get at and what probably a lot of people will incorrectly do. Um, so that's Yourself included. I don't know. I think I actually, I think I, I, I'm going to go on the limb here and say that I played this one to get the maximum value. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I stand behind my spew. <laughs> okay. So, um, so in hand number three, once again on our forum, I'm sorry, on our site, you can, you can download and, and see this hand, uh, hist- history so you can follow along. Uh, this is the, um, full tilt, uh, this is the $50 one rebuy one add-on. So if you play it, you know, to the maximum, you, it's a $150 tournament. Uh, most people do. Um, we're once again early. Uh, we're at 1530. Uh, most people and myself and the villain here, uh, have, you know, added, uh, bought the second, 
bullet already um, at the beginning of the tournament. Uh, I have a stack 2600. I am under the gun. So I'm under the gun with that 2600, and I have a pair of fours. And so I open uh, with the pair of fours to 90 at 1530. Um, get two folds to the cutoff, who has a 2K, 2120 stack at 1530, 70 big blinds, and he makes it 210. Um, and so and then everyone else folds, and it gets back to me. So first off, he made it very tiny. Um, always at, one t- at, at a 2K stack with a 120 facing a 120 chip raise. I'm almost, you know, I'm always going to call here, even for set odds, I think I'm getting the right implied odds. It's more than like 17 to 1 or something like that. So first off, you guys agree? Yeah, agree. Okay. Agree. What if he made it, what if he made it 270 or 300? Uh, I'd probably fold. Yeah. yeah I, I think you can, it's, it's a mixture of him making it really small and the odds we're getting plus what I, what that tells me about his range. Like, I think that that's, that three best seems to be pretty strong, like that sizing. Um, he doesn't look like he's scared whatsoever of you of you flat calling. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to call because a we're getting a really good price, and b I think his range is really strong. Yep. So we can get. Paid. Not, I agree with Charlie 100. percent His bet is screaming huge hand. Yep. So for me, my whole way of thinking here is is flatting him here strictly to set money because I think he's on a hand like queens or kings or aces. Yeah. Um, because of what we discussed earlier, I mean, he's really dumbed his three bet down. He has position. The standard three bet in this spot should be 270 for the most players. I mean, because he has position, maybe he goes to 255 as a standard three bet size in that spot. But when he makes it 210, I mean, please, please four bet me. Yeah, and he's looking at his stack size, right? He's like, I only got 2K, so if I make it 270, if this guy's relatively competent, he's going to look at my stack and my 270 bet and get scared and probably fold a ton. So here's right. like, here he's like, I can make it 210, and now he's got set mining odds. I mean, I, he don't want to give someone set mining odds, but I guess in his head he's thinking he'll get more calls this way. Yeah, right. He probably doesn't have any history. He probably doesn't have that note on you that most people have that you're like a horrible station. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You said you were going to be nice to say. <laughs> I kid, I kid. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, so, so basically, combination of what you guys said is exactly what I was thinking. So I call. Um, and so we go to a flop, 465 in the pot. Uh, I have about 2,400, but this guy, I, I cover him. So we're at, we're at about 19 effective, 1,900 effective, 465 in the in the pot. Um, the flop is the world. Um, it's five four five. So I flop the the boat. So now we say easy, right? Uh, why post this hand? Uh, you flopped the set, and, and I flopped it because it's hard to misplay it, and I want to look good. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I post it because now we have to figure out the best way to get value, um, which I think is a huge leak for a lot of players. Um, and something I've been working on myself. So I think a lot of I think a lot of players in this spot will check raise, and I think they'll check raise their sets. I also feel like they'll check raise, like they'll choose this type of flop to check raise nines and above. Yeah, like or or like I don't know. They'll just check raise anything because they don't think that the original raiser touches this flop. Um, and I just I feel like check calling is a far superior option here with with anything you're continuing with. 
Yeah, I think that's the crucial – this is the crucial question in this hand is, uh, you know, I, I think leading is, is awful, um, and I think most people would agree with that. Uh, you know, we the guy showed the initiative pre-flop, so let him, let him bet it out. Um, I don't know. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I so, agree. So unless, what, unless you're, like, really leveling and you think this guy knows that – unless you think he's going to three-bet a donk lead. You but know, that's never I, I, happening. And then it's too risky for you with that such a such a strong hand at this point to risk him folding. Yeah, so I, I, have to, I, have, I have to like think that he's on the level where he knows I'm donk leading even like he understands donk lead and, and the weakness of a donk lead. So I, I don't put him on that because I just don't know the guy. So I I'm, I check with the intention of calling, just like Charlie said, um, I don't like check raising here for the exact reasons Charlie said. Uh we want to let this guy give this let this guy have some more rope to hang himself. Now, the only question I have around the check raise or the check call is isn't check calling super strong like or is check raising more strong here? Like how how are you going to interpret this if you're on his side if 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 he checks and he make, if I check and he makes it like 300 and I just call him. Well, people are people are floating as often as they are sea betting nowadays. So for you to check call it just looks like you're floating them. True. True. So, or you have, or you have a hand like sevens or eights or something. Sixes, sevens, eights, and you're yeah. you're not ready to fold, but you're not really you're trying to play it cautiously. Um, I mean that's the that's why I like check calling is because I think it's good when because I'm going to be check calling like eights and nines and tens and jacks here. So I want to, I want, I don't want him to be able to just barrel me off those hands. I want to have some strong hands included in that range. Yeah. That's a good point. Definitely oh. check calling is, is the, I think the right way to approach the situation. Okay. Well, I, that was the plan, but he checked behind. Um, Which is me, great. I, I, I'm, I see this and I'm blown away by it. I mean, who, who's three betting pre and not C betting? Yeah. It's weird, right? <laughs> but yet calling your turn bet. Sorry to get ahead. Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, just him. Che- I was really confused, but I mean, I'm happy. Like, I don't care. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start. Like, if I'm gonna get chips, I'm gonna get chips in this hand. And if I'm not, I'm not. So I don't know. Like, it doesn't upset me that he doesn't, that he doesn't bet. But I'm just really confused by it. I don't, I don't even know what to make of that. So, so he does check, and so we go to the turn with the same pot of four sixty-five. Um, we're playing nineteen one one point nine k effective, and so I'm first to act now. So at this point. You know, I feel like I don't want to let another street go without starting to build a pot. Right. Um, so I feel like it's time to bet. You know, a lot of people would bet anyway if this guy checks here. Um, so I figured it's time to bet. You guys agree? I do. Uh, yeah, I would bet. Okay, what's your bet size here? Well, uh, the bet sizing is – your bet sizing is right in, in line with what I would put into it. Four, yeah, if you bet 285 like, into 465, I mean – you're, you're probably within 30 chips either way. It's not yeah. Fun. What I was okay. So I did bet 285. I led. I bet 285. I'm hoping there. Like, it's hard not to call 285. I, maybe he, 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 you know, he, he might think I'm full of shit. I, you know, I feel, I feel like if I bet too much, it might be a little scary. If I, and I don't, I don't want to lose value. So I, for some reason, I just felt like 285 was the the right size there. It's like perfect. Cool. Same yeah. Um, it's it looks small. You know, it's, but it's not based on the it's not that size. small. It's yeah. not that small. Yeah, that's um, the thing. It's like from a leverage perspective, it's 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 building the pot to where, you know, we could get him to call rivers because now now we're building a pot deceptively, as I think yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, one thing I'm thinking about 
his hand right now. I feel like obviously he might have hit the queen. Um, he might have he might have decided to check behind like Jacks or or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of times he probably has a tie, and it's just he's he's checking back for pot control and to try to get to showdown, thinking that you have a pair a lot of the time. And then um, what was I just about to say? And that he's not ready to give it up on the turn. Like he thinks that you could just be leading that turn with whatever. Right. So that's why on the river, I I kind of let once the ace hits, that's a great card for him, A, to have hit with like ace king, and then also to bluff if if he happens to to just, I don't know, be floating your, your turn bet for some reason. Um, and also the flush gets there. So if he turned a flush draw... Um, I mean, I don't know how many flush draws he has when the ace of when the ace of hearts hits, but right. So you know what? Let, let's review. Let's review what, what, what happens on on, on the on the ter- on the river for everyone who's listening. So um, so I bet the two eighty five and and he calls the two eighty five. Um, so we now go to the turn. Um, that queen that hits is a queen of hearts. So the board is now five of hearts, four of clubs, five of spades, and queen of hearts. So the flush draw is now out there. Um, on the river, the pot is 1K, um, and now we're out of effectives of quickly doing the math in my head here. We're at about 16, 1.6K effective, maybe a little more with a river of uh, with a pot of 1K out there. And here is I, I'm, here is where I might have made a mistake um, because I bet I lead out 465 into the pot of 1K, and just looking at it now. It feels ultra strong, and I feel like if he had a made hand here, he would have called a much bigger bet anyway. Um, so I feel like maybe this bet it is a little bit of a tell and missing value. I don't know what you guys think. I I agree with your analysis of your own hand. Yeah. Um, adding 465 into 1,035 kind of screams value. Like, please pay me. Yeah. Well, when um, a guy has a 1.6K stack left... Like I feel like he has to have it. He has to have a hand to call me. One, I guess he always has to have a hand to call me with like you know a 700 bet or something like that. But I mean that's thinking at the time. But looking at it in a retrospect, it just feels like I missed a lot of value there. If there, if he has a main hand. I mean anything less than that just looks even more like you're not getting paid because you're trying to look like you're picking up a value spot. Right. I mean the only thing like what else are you can. I mean the pot's a thousand thirty five. What are you going to do? Put seven hundred in and. Hopefully he thinks you're you missed or something. Uh, I'm not really sure how this could have gone any other way. I mean, yeah, he's, he's getting away from the hand, or he has a hand. Right, right, exactly. Which is why I think I should have bet more. So you think he's just like shove or something to make it look sillyly weak, or? I think that's. Pr- I mean, I played this hand a couple of weeks ago, so I don't remember exactly what I was thinking on the river. Um, yeah, I think when the ace when the ace hits and the flush gets there. I, I like checking it and allowing him to either put in a value bet with 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 whatever he decides to value bet or or bluff. I think when we bet that river, it looks really strong. Don't you think he checks behind on ace though that he would call seven hundred with? I mean, he's going to check behind sometimes. It's not like right. it's a sure thing he bets. It's 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 a risk that you're taking. Um, but I just think that. Like, what is he calling you with? And and of those hands that he's calling you with, how many of them is he going to bet? Hmm. And um, I think that 
the answer to that is he's probably going to any hand that he's calling your river bet with, especially if you bet more than this, he's probably going to value bet himself is what I'm thinking. Right. I have this guy on like uh, tens or jacks. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, seems that way to me as well, but I just don't know why he's checking the flop with those hands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh... yeah, because if he, I mean, you would think, so he, so I, I bet the 465 in the river and he folds. Um, so you'd think that if he was, if he was checking the flop with two high cards, one of them would be an ace and, It'd be, wouldn't it be hard for him to fold 465 when an ace hits, or is it just my bet screaming so much strength that he's just like, forget it? Because <laughs> it's not ace queen. He'd probably call ace queen. It's just he's calling ace queen. He's, he's putting it in with ace queen. Yeah, yeah. He's not I don't think he has an ace here. Yeah, yeah I don't think he has, he an, has ace. an ace here. Yeah. I'm, I'm really leaning towards jacks because of the three bet three. Right, and um, he's just like, forget it. There's a bunch of overs. There's right. there's hearts. Probably, you know, they're probably not getting paid. Charlie makes this the strong point that he's probably not checking jacks on a 5-4-5 five, five flop either. Right. And who's three betting tens pre? They're probably just flatting. Yeah. yeah, I'm really confused as to what he has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe he was, maybe he was on a hand like, and this may sound crazy, but maybe he was on a hand like 7-8. Two overs and a cut straight draw. Like, I don't know. It's very difficult. What does this guy have? Yeah. On a three bet, screams huge, and the huge heart cards get there, and he mocks quicker than you know you can bat it on. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but he does call the turn too, so it's like, uh, yeah, okay. So basically, we have no idea what this guy has. So given that we're confused by his whole line, given that on the river, um, we're making cases here for betting big because if he has it, he has it. But since we think he folds a ton anyway, Charlie's bringing up the point here that maybe we check and let him bet at it because we get yeah. more. We, he, he's more likely his, his, his bluff plus plus call range is bigger than just his call range. But for, the only thing for me, if you run deeper on the line with him checking that flop, does that not say he's three betting you with ace king or ace queen pre? Mm. So that ace, in a sense, might get you paid off. Right. So it is a funny spot. Like, you, do you want to miss your value spot at 400 chips all with his ace? Or do you check, hoping he caught that ace and he bets into you? It's, it's, it's a funny spot. You know, the only hand that I think maybe makes sense for him is king-queen. Maybe. It's possible. Yeah. But I think with king-queen, when that flop comes, I mean, you got to say to yourself, I think the only way to win this pot right now is to see that here. Right. I'd be see that in that flop with him. Yeah. yeah, so. <laughs> to have hit it. It's, uh, it's an interesting spot. So maybe this guy's just. Maybe just played this one bad. It happens. And I, and I did want something not to go unmentioned. Uh, Charlie mentioned that uh, Diego's uh, bet sizing on the turn was perfect. So the word perfect was used in the same sentence. In <laughs> Diego Lamar yeah, yeah. and Review. That's it. That, this is the last podcast. We're going to go uh, out on a high note. <laughs> I didn't Thank want you, that Drew. to go unnoticed, Diego. <laughs> there will be one more show. It will be uh, a memory show that I will go over. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it'll just be that hand over and over again. And yeah. um, thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, okay, I mean, obviously – 
the, the, the river is a kind of a confusing spot. Um, it, the point of that hand was to try to show how we get value. Um, and I think we, we're pretty happy with the turn. You could do a couple of different things in the river. Probably the default, if I'm going to bet, definitely one thing we find here is that my bet is, is, is too small. Um, one thing to take away from that, if you're going to bet the river and not check to him, um, you know, you got to bet bigger because he's, he's – 465 actually screams more strength than than anything, and he's going to call 700 if he's going to call 465 if he has a hand that can call. So um, let's take that away from that and uh, and and put that hand away. Cool. And I think uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for our strategy segment on this podcast. So I want to thank Charlie and Tim for stopping in today. Thanks, guys. It's our pleasure. Oh, I yes. wanted to I wanted to give a shout out to uh, TPE member. Give Charles more size. <laughs> my, my new favorite member. That is my man. That is my man. Yeah. Someone signed up with a play on Charlie's actual name, and we have no idea who it is. So. And I, I, I want to say thank you for having me on, too. And if I could give a quick shout-out, too, to one TPE member. Um, and I think we're all going to agree on this. TPE member Jay Schilling, your breakdowns of hands in the form are extraordinary. Yeah. You do a magnificent job of breaking down hand for hand, place for place, the, the whole the whole ball of wax, bro. So whatever you're doing, um, keep it up and remind me never to bluff you. <laughs> I, t- Tim, did you see that we actually made Jay Schilling a mod yesterday? So I'm not oh, sure okay, awesome. Yeah. yeah, and we're you know we're not just blowing this one up. I really didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, awesome. I... Jay Schilling, congratulations, man. Yep, it's something we were going to talk about in the next segment, but um, just as a, a quick preview, uh, we are launching. Uh, we actually created functionality for our members to ho- post their own poker blogs or just whatever blogs, as well as upload their own videos. So just like the pros on TPE, where you know we record ourselves playing or record ourselves doing a hand history and then we talk about it, um, the, our members can now do that and upload that to our servers, we'll host it, and then you guys can talk about those hands together. And we made Jay Schilling a mod. Um, one, we were looking for a good excuse to make him a mod for the reasons that Tim was talking about. Uh, but he's going to lead that that discussion um, and those, yeah. those those member hand history reviews. So um, so for that reason, um, we made him a mod, but aside from the fact that – Fantastic. That's yeah. great work. And obviously, yes. I mean, there's lots of people, tons of people who do great work, and I'm – Sorry, obviously I can't shout out everybody, but last one is just so sick as well for his yeah. his F tops um, performance. Keep yep. up the work, nation. Yep. Yeah. TPE is doing really well in the tournaments right now, so we're gonna keep no going to keep going. Keep going. All right, cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with uh, some more information on what Diego was just talking about and some other stuff uh, right after this. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, you guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Take it easy. Hey guys, this is Killingbird from Tournament Poker Edge. Have you checked out the Tournament Poker Edge League? This is an opportunity for you to compete against your fellow Tournament Poker Edge members for tons of great prizes, plus, most importantly, bragging rights. The league runs several 10-week cycles with a variety of days and start times to meet just about anyone's schedule. The buy-ins range from $3 to $5, so whether you're grinding the small-stakes tourneys or playing high-stakes, anyone can participate. Head over to TournamentPokerEdge.com and visit the forums for all the details and to sign up for the next cycle. Hope to see you there.
Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I want to give special thanks to T-Twist and Hagbard Celine for stopping in today to talk to us about three betting. Um, another uh, very interesting conversation uh, with our pros today. It was hard to get them to talk, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling teeth with, the, with, with those guys, getting anyone there to talk, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we could have left the recorder on and, and come back a half hour later. And we would yeah, they'd still be going, which would probably be great. Yeah, it's golden nuggets of, of, of info, but it was, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> Those guys are not shy about talking about their opinion. No, nope, absolutely. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. So, uh, what did you, uh, what did you take away from today's strategy discussion? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we, we talked about this topic because, um, Particularly things like the queen, the queen's hand, the first hand. Uh, you know, I, you know, trying to think: Do we want to play a big pot now, or do we? Do you know? Do we? Are we gonna? Are we gonna? Four bet with queens just seems kind of spewy. Uh, it was good to hear, you know, when facing a three bet with a, a good but not not the top of the range hand, how to play it. Um, relatively deep stacked, using position to our advantage. And what I really liked about this hand was the ranging that we talked about. I mean, we spent a lot of time discussing and breaking down what hands each of these players could have. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's – three betting will give you even more information most of the time into the range. And so if you're not thinking about – and I know I'm guilty of this myself, especially when you're playing like eight tables. You know, it's hard to really do this effectively, but – you know, the game is a puzzle, right? And there's just so many pieces and each action that each piece of information you get should help you put together the puzzle a little bit better. And I think that's what, you know, I learned from this hand and what I'll be doing a little bit more of. Because by the time we got to the river, we were able to make a really educated decision on what we should do because of the things that had happened and what hands our opponents could possibly have. And that's what I've from that. Right. And it's exactly what uh, what Tim talked about early on in our conversation about you know, having the ability to lay down big hands. Um, you know, when you when you said when you like when you said you put all the pieces together and you realize that your queens really just aren't in good shape against any of the hands that these guys could have here. Um, you know, you just got to lay them down, and it's not easy to do. But yeah, and you know, it's it's funny because I was in a spot um, last the other day. I forget what day it was. I was under the gun plus one against a good player. And he was under the gun, and our stacks were like, um, I guess like 30 or 40 big blinds deep, maybe maybe 40 or 50 actually. And he opened. We weren't in the ante period yet, so he opened to like 250 at 5100. I think that's I think that's where we were. He opened to 250 at 5100. I had kings, mm-hmm. and like I'm under the gun plus one, and I. I raised him because I'm not just going to flat there because then I'm going to get five limpers and, you know, I'm going to be out of position the whole hand. And I raised him. I three bet him. But, like, I could have just put the cards on my head and called – you know, I could have just, like, called him up. I didn't know him. If I had his number, I could call him up and say, <laughs> I have two kings here. Like, right. like it, it sucks because he was able to range me so effectively by my three bet based on position. But that's what a good player can do. They can – there's – you know, you can narrow down the type of hands people have, and he folded. I, you know, I, I'm willing to bet that he would have folded as strong as jacks there, maybe even queens, just from the way, that, you know, the, the 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 table dynamics and the fact that I'm three betting his under the gun plus one, and I'm I was playing tight, and he's super tight. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, you have ace king at the worst. Yeah. You know. Right now, if he's not a good player and he's not ranging people, he might shove queens there. Right. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's, you see it all the time in the lower stakes and against people, you know, random, unrecognizable players. You see people doing crazy stuff because they're not really ranging people. So you got to, you know, or just make ridiculous calls in the, the flop and turn in the river because they're not putting together what hand you could possibly have when a good player, you know, will put the pieces together. Right. Yeah, I thought it was also interesting. And it seems like we come back to this topic a lot, no matter what we're discussing, but talking about bet sizing, you know, in your, in your pocket fours hand, um, you know, everybody kind of agreed that, that there was an opportunity to get more money on the river, um, or at least to put a bigger bet in on the river. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, it just shows you that no matter, you know, no matter what you're, what you're doing, you always have to be paying attention to your bet sizing. Yeah. We did talk about the, you know, the option of checking to induce, which has some merit, but maybe, right. Maybe a little advanced, you know, just in general, like without, okay, put, throw that aside for a minute. That might be the, might or might not be the best way to extract value here. But if you're going to bet, like, like if I had ranged him appropriately, that's like, I, there's no way 465 into 1035 is the maximum value because whatever's calling 465 is calling 700, you know, right. no doubt. And so they definitely learned something from there. But what about his, you know, going back to the concept of three bets, what about his three bet? Pre-flop, you know, I made it 90 from under the gun, and he makes it 210. You know, we infer a little bit from his three-bet size, you know, that he's, he's pretty strong, and he gives everything in my range the odds to call and stack him. Yep. Everything. So just down to the bet sizing is appropriate for that entire hand because it started with the, the flop. Yeah, and, and it it's one of those things where bet sizing is so important because it compounds itself on every street. You know, he, when you when you, when you miss a little bit on the the flop, that it 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 keeps you from from betting a little bit more on the turn, which prevents you from betting a little bit more on the river. Right. Um, so it's just so crucial and and something that it seems like we end up sort of talking about uh, every podcast because uh, I think it's just a it's a huge not necessarily a leak but just an area of opportunity that so many people need to need to be paying attention to. When we when we get to um, shallower stack play, when we get to the middle and late stages. Bet sizing is going to take on supreme relevance in the other direction in terms of how smaller bet sizes have high degrees of leverage and you do not need to put in as, you know, a full 3x under the gun, you know, in, uh, when opening, you don't have to go with full 3x. When C betting, you don't have to go, you know, a full 66% of the pot or whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. When you look at the shallower stacks, a mistake in, in betting too much compounds itself over the course of a hand as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. And, and we'll make sure and get Panda in here to talk about that subject because he's the master of it from what I've seen. So yeah. he de- He's definitely, um, if you watch a Panda video, and I guess this is a good segue into talking about what's going on at, at TPE, uh, because if you watch a Panda video, I think the first thing you pick up, and he did a theory on this as well, but the first thing I pick up is C-betting. He just did a review of his 200 rebuy uh, final table um, from early December and the very first hand I I picked up a seat betting leak I had just on the first hand um, yeah. just great like, it's like you would be amazed at what he can get away with and because but because he he's listening to he's watching everything right he's looking at every like he's got everyone's stack sizes in mind he's got the positions in mind and he's ranging where he knows that you can only call this, you know, if he, he knows a range of hands his opponent can have, and he'll know a bet size that will tell him exactly what he needs to know. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really great to watch his, his videos, and so we'll definitely get him in here for, you know, 
sea betting and 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 whatnot and and you know shallow stack bet sizing because I think he's the, the best at that. Yeah, li- literally worth the price of admission all by itself. So make sure you check out uh, check out that 200 rebuy video. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, pretty neat videos coming up. Um, so we got we got pandas 200 rebuy that's running right now. Sean uh, Cougars 4444 just did a theory video on um, on step tournaments, and he will be following that up with actual a bankroll builder series on step tournaments, uh, which should be pretty neat for people to watch. Cool. We just finished a series of T-Twist uh, when he won the second chance. He popped that into the reviewer and uh, and played that, and we just finished a series of Wien's USA Coupe main event, which it's so deep, it, it has a lot of relevance to the topics we've been talking about. And coming up, we also have coming up a, a live sweat from Big Dog. Everyone loves the Big Dog live sweats, so that should be coming up this week. And... Ween, um, Ween and I did a hand history review of a $10 cube that I went deep in. Um, so that should be neat for that. Oh, cool. And That'll be good. Yeah. Also, and we're not, we're not going to announce who they are yet, but we also have, uh, two pros that we are very close to getting video, signing and getting videos from. So, uh, two guest pros that should be joining the site pretty soon. And I don't want to give it away until we have some videos. Um, but pretty excited about that. Yeah, stay tuned to the site. Obviously, as soon as we have official confirmation and are able to uh, to announce that, we'll obviously do it. But um, obviously, I know who we're talking about, and I'm uh, super excited about having those guys on board. So it's going to be really cool. Yep. One thing that we added to the site just recently is, uh, I think we announced this last month, the member blogs and member video posts. Uh, but we just promoted, and we mentioned this uh, in talking to Tim, uh, we, we promoted, well, we offered uh, Jay Schilling, you know, if you ask him if he wanted to be a mod because he adds so much to the, the forums and he accepted and he's going to be leading a member video review study group, which I think is going to be neat for people to do that, upload, upload their own videos and then play in and get some feedback. Yeah, I'm really hoping members take advantage of that opportunity because, you know, a lot of people post in the forums and stuff like what's the best way for me to, you know, improve my game? How should I be using the site? Um, and, you know, obviously watching the videos and posting in the strategy forums and things like that are, are crucial. But, um, you know, having a chance to talk to your peers about your game and about their game and, and share ideas and stuff is just a huge value that the site offers that, um, you know, I really hope everybody takes advantage of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then also I know uh, coming up we have another – uh, TPE member tournament at the at the end of January, um, and also cycle two of the TPE league will be starting up. So jump into the forums and get all the details on on that action. Um, we're going to make some changes to the league that I think people will be really stoked about, and also the uh, the upcoming member tournament. We're gonna we're gonna add some prizes and stuff to the uh, the prize pool for that. Hopefully make it our biggest member tournament yet. So make sure and check that action out. Yeah, I think for the next cycle of the league, of the the member league, I think we'll make it a little shorter this time around, um, so that people don't look at a schedule of 20 tournaments and if they haven't done well in the first five, um, drop out. Um, we'll just give you know be more important to each, each tournament will take on more significance and you'll get to a resolution a little bit faster. Yeah. But some other changes, you know, we've had some great feedback from our our members um, that were helping us run it, and so we're going to take a lot of that feedback and and, and just build that into the, the league itself. Yeah, and if anybody else out there has feedback on those, if you participated in them and you want to let us know what you think, um, again, jump in the forums, post your feedback. We'll uh, we'll do our best to accommodate 
you know, everybody's ideas uh, make it the best thing possible. Cool. And then uh, in other exciting news, uh, the WSOP is coming up faster than probably most people realize. We're only four months away, so we uh, we just actually booked our house, uh, the TPE house for Vegas this summer. And uh, looking forward to spending some time out there with the pros. And also, you know, there's a lot of talk in the forums about a possible TPE boot camp. Uh, looks like that could be coming to fruition uh, right before the World Series of Poker starts. So, um, you know, stay tuned for more information on that. But we'll look forward to, to meeting some members out there and hopefully putting together a little uh, seminar of sorts where, um, you know, people have an opportunity to actually get some live training from the pros. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, we're going to be all over the W. SOP this year. I think being Tournament Poker Edge and World Series of Poker being the biggest series of tournaments in the world, um, we're going to definitely put a lot of focus on that. And so um, just look for more stuff around the World Series. But, in the, you know, at the very least, we're going to be out there. Um, so members will be sure to be in touch if you guys want to meet up or whatever. And we'll also, as Derek said, um, we're going to want to we definitely want to do these workshops, um, these boot camps, because they, they're pretty fun for us. And uh, we have had tons of requests. Just stay tuned in the forum, and we'll give you more details. Cool. Well, I think that wraps it up. I uh, want to give a special thanks once again to Hagbard Celine and T-Twist for stopping in uh, and talking strategy with us today. And with that ends the very first podcast of 2011. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time. See ya. Fine, fine.